What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of National Pastime. John Toaster and J-Rob here. And week two is in the books. Week three is at our doorstep. And of the 32 teams in the NFL, let's see some quick math here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, The eight, Bears nine. have the FBI at their doorstep. Is that where you're going? No. <laughs> no, but I was going to say, 18 of the 32 teams are either 0-2 or 2-0. So uh, the league is at the polls right now, as you could say. A um, lot of just weird shit going on right now. We can uh, definitely start, uh, as you alluded to, with the fire that is at House Hall. Um, really, that's been burning since week one ended, but <laughs> it's only getting worse. Um, today... Let's see. Where do we begin? The starting quarterback um, pretty blatantly called out that coaching has been the issue. Um, the we are talking coordinator, about the, we're talking about the Bears are, for anyone that doesn't about know about how yes. Yeah, talking about the Bears. Yes, yes, yes. Correct. Uh, 1920 football drive. Uh, the official address of Hall is on fire. Uh, not literally. Is that but the last time they won a championship? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, Justin Fields calls out the coaches more or less in his press conference today. Uh, the defensive coordinator who missed last week due to a quote unquote personal issue is now resigning today. And there are rumors that, um, well, whatever it is, is not very good considering when ESPN reached out to him to get some sort of quote, his attorney was the one that <laughs> responded. Um, so, you know, that's, you always have your attorney call back reporters when they reach out for comment, right? Like I, I do anyway. Um, yeah. What else? The starting left tackle uh, of an already bad offensive line is uh, on IR with a neck injury and might miss the rest of the season. So things are going great for the bears. Um, you know, they're currently set. They currently hold the second pick in the draft. If the season were to end today, the only team uh, worse than them by the, I mean, I guess the tank records is the Cardinals due to, or sorry, the Broncos due to their strength of schedule. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And part of that 0-2 group, I just want to say, is uh, the Patriots. And before we really get going into this, trivia question for you, Toaster. When was the last time the Patriots had it? And they won the Super Bowl. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) When was the last time the Patriots had a top 10 pick in the NFL draft? Top 10. That might be late 90s. 98? Uh, 98, uh, that would be a good guess. It was actually 2008. They had the 10th pick, and uh, they selected Gerard Mayo. They, they uh, dropped to the 10th pick with a 11-5 record? Yep. What <laughs> they, the? Wait, what? That had to have been for like a trade. No, that was Brady's injury year. The, How do you go 11 Five and get a top ten pick. Yeah, they had pick number ten. Oh, um, so that was the year Brady. That was the draft year that Brady got injured. Okay, so yes, they sucked. Yes, that, they sucked in two thousand seven. Wasn't that when they lost the Super Bowl to the Giants? Two thousand seven was the year that they went. Uh, here, hold on. Let's just so that we're not. Let's just yeah. talking out of our ass here. Let's go look Maybe at it. Pause on the on the the recording right here. So, uh, they went. 10 uh, yeah you're right 11 and 5 and that that somehow got them the 10th pick in the draft 
wow. after 2008. I mean, because the year make, before, you're right, they went 16 to 0. They didn't make the playoffs that year, so that wouldn't be surprising. Um, but to fall all the way to the 20th best team or the 22nd best team, that's a little strange. Maybe yeah. no trade. Um, not that I'm aware of here on Pro Football Reference, but right. I I'll, I'll keep could be reading it wrong while you, while you regardless. Go that. Yeah, Th- last thought it was time they had the 10th pick. Thought it was a different trivia question. I thought you were going to say when was the last time the Patriots went 0-2 to start the season, and that was 2001, and they won the Super Bowl. So suck it. <laughs> oh, so they're winning the Super Bowl. Are you planting <laughs> I mean, your flag right now? I don't think I'm planting that flag. I'm just saying uh, it's an even it's 17 games now. Like we got even more time to turn the shit around. Yeah, true. Very true. Uh, the, I mean, to your point, the Patriots always start slow. 0-2 is not much different than if they win this week and they're 1-2, and two, then starting 1-1, one and one, right? And then losing in week three. So um, I'm not exactly worried about the Patriots. I am worried about the Bears, though. Um, also, a little worried about the Broncos, and we can uh, maybe talk about that a little bit, despite the fact that Russ is like kind of playing good. So what the fuck's going on there? Sadly, it's the defense. Uh, We are leading the league in points per possession, but our offense is never on the fucking field. So, yeah, we can get get into it at the breakdown of the games, but I can't believe I'm saying it's the defense that is actually the problem and not the Russ-led offense. So it makes me nervous. All right. Well, uh, I don't know if we need to really expound on any of the issues that the bears are having um, other than no one person is at fault in any of this. Um, But I think the saddest part for me as like even removing like bears fandom, like I am a huge Justin Fields fan. I was while he was at Ohio state, that guy, this team has, absolutely beaten that guy out of him so part of what he said today was f it uh he's going to play the way that he wants to play or the way that he knows how to play i hope that happens um but i think that you know regardless of what happens like he has taken his own future into his hands here and he's either going to get himself a really nice deal for what I would imagine is the next coaching staff for the Bears. <laughs> or well, I mean, when you're getting raided by the FBI, yeah, probably a new coaching staff is around the corner. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, or it's going to go really poorly, and he will have done it, quote-unquote, his way, um, and the Bears will move on. But I think regardless, like, to say that we've had a very clean evaluation of who he is, and who he should have been as an NFL player to this point is, um, I think, totally wrong. Like, it's just such a dumpster fire every single week. Um, I'm sure you got you guys saw the play. Shaq Barrett picked him off, like, at the three-yard line on a screen. Uh, the Bears ran that play three times in a row um, down late in that game. It. Yeah, right? I mean, the first time a penalty was called, so, you know, you got to call it a second time. And then when it goes for no gain, you got to call it a third time, right? I mean, I it's mean, better than it. the Matt Nagy running on first, running on second, failed to pass on third, right? So at least for I mean, we're basically at that point. <laughs> it's uh, it's just so bad. I just I feel for Justin Fields. I feel for the players. I would imagine that this stuff will get sorted to some degree. Um, you know, it's just you can't be two weeks into the year 
and have this level like we're at like defcon four right now you know like it's just so bad baker mayfield Uh, appreciates it he does uh he does and you know what good for baker uh good for jordan love i love seeing those guys like at in like the top 10 of quarterback stats right now and it's like okay well well, yeah anybody that plays the bears is (laughs) gonna be gonna have a good day is all i'm gonna say um and hey what do you know they have the chiefs this week so i'm sure that's gonna work out great um Anyway, moving on. In non-Bears news, uh, some of the other storylines this week that stood out to me, uh, the Bills come out and just melt the Raiders. Um, Josh Allen plays within himself, um, you know, is just on fire. Great bounce back game for them. Do you think that is more indicative of who this team is or is week one more indicative of who they are? Toaster, uh, go to you. I don't think it changes who they are at all. It comes and goes with Josh Allen being able to stay cerebral and within himself. So if he's not giving up four turnovers, that offense is going to put up points and they're going to curb stomp some people. If Josh Allen tries to do too much, I mean, because even this game, it, you know, 38-10 final score, but it didn't start off with them flying down the field. I'm pretty sure the the Raiders were up uh, in the first, at the end of the first quarter and Josh Allen just didn't freak out. And I think right. that this will be a good testament to him to say, stay within yourself, trust the system. You don't have to force an explosive play on every single drive. Um, and then he still goes and fucking tries to hurdle somebody from five yards out in the end zone. <laughs> I'm like, dude, like, just suck it up. Take two yards and hold yourself together. Um, I don't think we touched on it in any of the pre-stuff. So, like, our top, th- our top four our top three quarterback draft picks are all banged up right now. Richardson, probably not going to play week three. Bryce Young, unlikely for week week three uh, with an ankle injury. Yeah. And CJ Stroud was questionable last week with a shoulder injury. So you got these young bucks. And I know Josh Allen's a different breed. But if they're getting banged up this early on the season, you just can't risk losing your entire season to score a touchdown from five yards out by hurdling somebody. Yeah, but I think what we're seeing and like, I don't think this is necessarily fully removed from the Justin Fields conversation is like, what makes Josh Allen great? Like, yeah, you need to you need to rein it in a little bit. And we see what happens when he reins it in a little bit. But that same mindset of him trying to jump over people from five yards out to score a touchdown is also what kind of makes him awesome. Like, I think from a coaching perspective, you need to find whatever the happy medium is there and then get him to a point where like in the right moments he's making the right decisions i don't think in a blowout you know week two against the raiders he should be trying to hurdle people but i think we saw a pretty big correction from what we were seeing from him in week one where he was just yoloing everything and trying to jump over everyone so it, the happy, the happy medium is Josh, you can, you can show you got balls, but you don't have to do it by shoving them in some guy's face. I think that that's the happy medium. <laughs> it was a former teammate too in college. He just wanted to be like, Hey man, remember oh. how this was in practice at Wyoming? Just fucking <laughs> give him the fucking Franken beans on second down. Uh, but no, the, bill, the bills are for real. They're getting stronger. And as long as it goes with how Allen goes, they are explosive enough that if Allen stays within himself, they will be good. The defense is obviously, um, you know, something that they're they're very strong. If they have a bad game, though, Allen can compensate for them. It it really just shows that 
this comes and goes with Allen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the other big game, I would say, or big performance of the week that I want to call out, the Cowboys dominate the Jets 30 to 10. Um, that defense is for real, for sure. Um, I think I feel pretty good about my uh, comment last week that that win against the Bills is going to be the highlight of the Jets season. Um, be interesting to see what they do from a quarterback perspective moving forward. But um, that Cowboys defense is fucking legit. Um, Dak is just playing, you know, point guard essentially right now. He's not uh, doing too much, but um, they they look good. So J-Rob, I, you know, the Cowboys are uh, 70 points for, 10 points against two games into the season. How are you feeling about them? Because it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were maybe a little low on them going in. Uh, I was low on them going in. It definitely does not hurt to have the first defensive player likely to potentially become MVP since Lawrence Taylor in Micah Parsons. Uh, I think he's the front runner right now, even though he might not like odds wise be a front runner. I think the narrative MVP loves narratives. And I do think that Micah Parsons is putting together an early argument for MVP. Wait, just, um, I, I want to call out that. You refer, you reference the MVP like it is a living being there, which I, I kind of like. It loves narratives. LeBron it LeBron does. James set the precedent. He's just like I am my own entity. Exactly, and I do think with the defensive side not getting as much love, I think it would be a good story to have. Um, He's current. He was as of earlier this week like plus twenty five thousand to win MVP. And I think it's like at that's, plus six thousand now. Ah, damn. Okay. But still, but that mean, would have been worth putting a dollar on. Just throwing that out there. Not that this is a gambling podcast. <laughs> yeah, because um, everyone would be out of all of their money if this was a gambling <laughs> podcast. <laughs> True. I do have two arguments, maybe to kind of bring the Cowboys down a little bit. Uh, Sauce Gardner dropped what would have been a pick six to make this a thirty to seventeen game. Or still a blowout. Oh yeah, totally close. St- still a blowout, but it looks a little more, you know, respectable on respectable. the Jets side. Yeah. Um, and I just think that they might be peaking too early. Like these are the type of games that might give you a sense of false confidence before you actually play some true contenders in your schedule. But yeah, it's really hard at this point to argue what the Cowboys are doing. The Giants went down 21 points, 24 points to the fucking Cardinals. So maybe we can back off to that 40 nothing victory. Wasn't some aberration and they took down Zach Wilson. Their yeah. red zone touchdown percentage last year, 71 plus percent. Their red zone touchdown percentage this year, 33%. I think that they're in for a little bit of an awakening if anyone can do anything against this defense. That being said, that's the that defense looks freaking spectacular. Yeah, I mean, they're 12 and a half point favorites this week <laughs> against the Cardinals. So again, you know, not world beaters, but it's like th- this is also... I mean, we talk about all the time, like there's 17 games, right? So if you come out strong in a few of them, you can build some momentum like that is so huge. Maybe they're not like what their point differential suggests they are by the end of the year, but there's enough wonkiness right now in the early part of this season to be two and oh and have two like pretty convincing victories and not really have to rely on what I think is kind of the engine of that team and, and Dak and that offense, then it's like, 
you know what, man, like they're dangerous. They're as dangerous as anybody. Um, I do agree. I think like we will see some regression as far as their scores, I would imagine. Otherwise we're talking about the greatest team of all time here, but um, it's nonetheless encouraging if you're a Cowboys fan and I don't think it's going to, uh, you're not going to get any reason this week to like, you know, lessen your sales. Yeah. I, I do think the biggest concern for them is their division. They've got, I know they just dismantled the Giants, but like you got the Eagles twice. The commanders look like they are going to at least be competitive with that defensive front and a that defensive much front more, that gave up 21 points in like seven minutes to them. I mean, it's in mile high. Like there's still a good defensive front, but <laughs> I just, show, hey, that's just proof the Denver offense is actually cooking. Dude, I'm all over the place on trying it's hard. to like Maybe that's the issue. It's, hard to, it's harder to cook at altitude, you know? It doesn't. The True. atmospheric pressure changes things. Mm-hmm. Damn, that mm-hmm. means fucking Russ is going to be a Michelin star chef on the road next week. He's got to get himself an electric griddle. No <laughs> gas-powered stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think the Dow, the success of the Dallas season and the postseason is going to come down to the division. If they aren't the division winners and have to continue to go on the road in the playoffs, I think it just makes it harder. No matter how good you are, Yes, Micah Parsons can negate a lot of that by just getting to the quarterback faster than the ball gets in their hands. But mm-hmm. that's my only concern is how tough their division is. It could make the road in the playoffs a tougher push for them. But I think it's safe to say they are bona fide a playoff team at this point, and they are just competing for one of the best records in the NFC. But, like, I don't know. Like, looking at – let's just look at the 2-0 and o teams here right now. So in the NFC, you have the 49ers, who I think everyone agrees is like in that conversation as the best team in the NFC, the Eagles, who kind of unconvincing, you know, two and O like, yes, two and O, but not definitely not playing to the level that they were last year. You have Dallas. Then you have Atlanta, who, again, I think a lot of people think is like a decent team, but are they in the same conversation as those other teams? Probably not. I just took New York. Whole Hall of Fame quarterback, future <laughs> Hall of Fame quarterback. Oh yeah, Jordan Love. That's so what that's about. what J Rob was trying to convince me. No, of I asked during that game. <laughs> I asked if they had a third franchise quarterback, and you're like a Hall of Fame quarterback? No way. It's like you could be a franchise quarterback and not be a Hall of Fame quarterback. I, I is that a serious question? Are we going to actually like talk about this right now? We Let's can. Is that is that a thought that Jordan Love is like a, a franchise quarterback? I mean, not I think from what he's. I saw. I think he's done enough that like you're going to see out this contract. It, it depends and continue on to like evaluate him. He's had like and, what six starts. Well, that's what it means. Like, even. what's the definition of a franchise quarterback? Like, is Daniel Jones a franchise quarterback because he got a second contract? Okay, but I, that's also because you can't move on at that position easily. If if they give Jordan Love a market level deal, even a Kirk Cousins level deal, that absolutely tanks that team. Like. He is being prop. He's like fucking Pinocchio right now, being propped <laughs> up by Matt Lafleur. Like he hasn't. If the throw hasn't been absolutely Wait, so wide he's open, sitting on Matt Lafleur's face. What? Prop. What Pinocchio did you watch, bro? Well, I don't know how you're propping <laughs> him up with with that nose. From uh, okay, never mind. We'll keep this one. <laughs> he's a fucking puppet, you dude. Oh, puppet. Strings. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking, okay, you're Pinocchio. Now I get it. Yeah. yeah. He's the uh, ventriloquist. <laughs> he's just, 
McFleur's got his hand shoved up Jordan Love's ass and just making okay. him talk definitely, and throw. Definitely, definitely watch a different version of that show. I watched the Disney yep. version clearly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I I'm trying to be as objective as possible about Jordan Love here. He he has not done anything to wow me. And then you watch like okay, they they have a chance this week against Atlanta to they get the ball back after Atlanta scores. All they need is a field goal. All you need is a field goal, go down, and like he couldn't hit the fucking broadside of a barn when everyone knew they were in a passing situation and they couldn't just call play action tight end leaks, you know, and have him just throw to wide open people. Like, I I honestly don't think he's played very well at all. And he's going to get a little bit of leeway because his first game was against the Bears, which all three of us could have thrown for 300 yards against the Bears. (laughs) And I actually don't even think he did. But, um, it's, I think he's going to come down to earth fucking hard uh, as we move forward here. And I, I just think, like, the fact that the the Packers were a one-point favorite against the Atlanta Falcons. Like, the 2-0 undefeated Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Top of the division, Atlanta Falcons, because where we were yeah. going with this was naming off all the 2-0 teams, and then uh, you finished uh, – there's three in the NFC South, which I think was a pretty consensus weakest division. Atlanta, New Orleans, and the Bucks, and I don't think any of those teams are necessarily Super Bowl contenders. So I think yeah. if you're Dallas <laughs> and you're sitting there at two and zero, like yeah, the Eagles and 49ers are also two and zero, but those were the only two teams that you were really thinking you were going to contend with in this conference anyway. I don't think much has changed from that perspective, and I think that the Cowboys have looked as good, if not better than any of those two teams, the 49ers, maybe uh, you could make a, a that, that case was, for. That was going to be my question. Like they're clearly the best team in the NFC East right now. That doesn't mean that they win the NFC East. want to be clear, but do you put them above the 49ers? I don't think so. Only because I ultimately like believe in Kyle Shanahan and I don't believe in Mike McCarthy. <laughs> So, and, you know, I think Dak, give me Dak over Brock Purdy all day, every day. But um, I, I think Shanny is what tips the scales for me there. But Dallas is right there, man. I mean, I, like we said, that defense is nasty. Uh, the fact that they've won as convincingly as they have the first two weeks, I, I think is something to be excited about. Can we go ahead and lock them up? We don't have to get into the picks yet, but we can lock them up at, at 3-0. and um, Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say yeah. I don't okay. think we're gonna have a, uh, a another Cardinals like jump out to a 20 point lead kind of deal like uh, we did against the Giants. But um, can we hit on that last... real quick? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that like where within the narrative does that one fit? Like, is this one where the Cardinals were like, okay, we need to back off, let this fucking happen? Is this uh, the Giants truly are that bad, and the Cardinals are also that bad? that you know this this matchup just happened to be crazy each way where one team played the first half one team played the second half because as a tangential cardinals fan i truly don't know where to sit in my assessment right now because it's better for them to lose but same time you never want to tank yeah i mean i do think the Giants, for whatever reason, had one of the slowest, most awkward starts to the year with six scoreless quarters. And then, I mean, finally figuring it out. But it, to your point, like it doesn't instill more confidence in me that the Giants are going to now be a team that contends with some of the mid-level to better teams in the league. 
And yeah, I still think as good as it's a good loss for the Cardinals in sense in the sense they need to lose. But I mean, I guess I guess what would you rather have? Would you rather just get blown out the entire year and be like, all right, we deserve the first pick and maybe Caleb passes? Or is this a perfect storm where they continue to contend and can kind of plant that seed being like, damn, they're just it's, a quarterback away from winning games. And it could like it could ultimately help them the fact that they're competitive, even if it means getting a win here and there that they don't want to get. Well, the reason I ask is because these were the two games that were, you know, challengeable for them to have a, you know, some sort of redemption to the season. But then they go Dallas, San Fran, Cincinnati at the 49ers, uh, or sorry, at the Rams, Seattle, Baltimore, Cleveland. And it's not until week 10 versus Atlanta that they get another game that they're going to be competitive. So it's like, did you want them to win this game and kind of get a little bit of good grace? Or is it, no, we're going all in and we're, we want to be 0-10 to start off this year? With how, with how bad the NFC is, I think it's good to get all the losses you can. <laughs> get all the losses. Like Carolina is going to be up there, and I know that goes to the Bears, but that also means how the Bears are looking. They could be the ones stockpiling those top five picks this year and so or this coming yeah. offseason. So I think similar to the Dallas needs to continue to win games to maybe snag a home game in the postseason, the Cardinals need to keep losing games and hope that you know, the Panthers pick up a game here or the Bears pick up the game here or the Broncos figure it out. And, and I'm not worried. I think the Broncos, Bengals, Patriots, and Vikings will probably sprinkle some wins in there to get them out of those t- bottom five picks. But there's just yeah. so much volatility in those bottom teams that you just don't want to risk getting one of those bullshit. I know it sounds funny, like you don't want to get a win in the NFL, but of all years to suck ass, this is the year to suck ass. So Jonathan Gannon's like, who wants to take a plane out of this place? Because uh, you took a bus and a car here. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, like, Josh Dobbs um, it Not bad. played well, you know? And I think if you can, it, at the end of the day, like, players and coaches don't tank, right? Like, organizations might tank and we've obviously seen them uh to some degree make moves that imply that but kyler still i think plans to come back at some point this year and it seems like they're playing hard now we'll see what that looks like when you know you're oh and seven and players are just fucking fed up and don't want to play anymore but like they seem to be the type of team that is going to at least be a little frisky and um you know maybe eke out a couple wins that you don't want and i definitely thought we were trending that way with this one i think at the end of the day if you're a cardinals fan though perfect loss you you look competitive um you don't you, look you like throw a them off the tank scent, you know you're like you did just yeah. enough like oh they're they're actually trying and then when they get absolutely shit stomped, shit stomped by dallas san francisco the list goes on you're like well you were overmatched in those games anyways so right uh, yeah a thousand percent. So uh, ultimately, I think this is a good week for the Cardinals, uh, all things considered. Their leading receiver right now, I think, has 82 yards. So that's nice. That's some offensive that's, power. That's how you build a powerhouse offense in yep. 2023, right? Yep. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's move on here. I, I do want to actually uh, pose a question. Which of these 0-2 teams are you most concerned about? The Broncos, the Chargers, the Bengals, or the Patriots? 
Josh, start with you. What is what's concerned about like our like not making our personal playoffs? concern or our like <laughs> uh, concern for their like, which uh, one was the the least expected outcome for them to be owing to maybe? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Like who or should like, be hitting the panic about, button? Yeah. And like, I'll, I'll just start with mine, I suppose then maybe to like make it a little bit more clear. I, I'm hitting the panic button if I'm the chargers a little bit, because this is a thousand percent in all in year for them. Um, you look at their cap situation, you look at what they've, um, with, you know, the restructures of Khalil Mack and, um, you know, their, uh, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and all that, like it's, they need to win. And we know the AFC is tough. Like you just can't keep like stacking losses right now. If you're the chargers in my mind, just because of what this singular season means to them. Overall, I think the Broncos are in a similar boat, but maybe expectations weren't quite as high. So, it, you know, it's not as damning in my mind, but like I'm hitting the panic button on the Chargers here um, or for the Chargers here, I guess, in this case. So from that perspective, like, you know, who do you who, who are you most worried about? Did, uh, did you have the Vikings in there? Sorry. Or I no. So, yeah, I did. did. I okay. if I didn't, I meant to include them. Yes. Uh, to your point about the Chargers, the reason why I'm not worried is in 2010, they had the number one ranked offense and defense in the league and didn't make the playoffs. So they are perfectly capable of being the biggest letdown in the NFL. So I don't think that's too surprising that they're 0-2 with such a stacked roster. I'm mostly worried about the Bengals. I know they start slow. They started 0-2 last year before going 14-2 to finish the season. But that was without Joe Burrow having a calf injury. He re-aggravated the calf this week. And it's just something that, while it doesn't yep. seem that serious, it's just going to nag all year and maybe potentially hurt some of that downfield explosiveness, maybe hurt his throwing or mobility and makes it harder for him to get out of that mid-level offensive line. I know they've gotten a lot better since his rookie year, but there's still times that he's getting murdered that I'd be a little worried, especially he just got paid a shit ton of money you're stuck, not stuck with him, not like he's going to fall off the face of the earth, but this window that you have at T. Higgins and these guys that are on these cheap deals, this is the time to be making these pushes, and I get a little worried that the Bengals might be a little banged up this year and kind of falter. Yeah, bad bad timing for Joe Burrow to, to have a calf injury that affects his play, that's for sure. Um, I'll pick the low hanging fruit and say it is definitely not the Patriots because the expectation for the Patriots was so low. Um, I actually think that they showed quite a bit in the first two games that they, uh, Bill O'Brien, golly, was not the answer as I predicted. Um, but that defense <laughs> is showing heart and they're playing hard. The only concern I have for the Patriots starting off 0 2 is does this mean Bill Belichick is out at the end of the year? And if that's that, Mike, yeah. And if that's the answer, I say, Guess what just happened? Has anyone ever seen a fucking running start from the wing to block a fucking field goal and keep team in the game? No, Bill Belichick still fucking has it. He's still able to be creative. Still got his fastball, baby. Got that special team savant. He's not an offensive guy, which is kind of shocking because you'd think that with everything that he's figured out how to stop, he'd be able to figure out how to anti-stop, right? Um, but that's why I'm not concerned about the Patriots with the one asterisk of, is this Bill Belichick's last year? Um, Vikings, I can't believe that they were all in just because they moved on from Cook for Madison, and that was not a long-term good decision 
and they don't have cousins well, in, in, the, in their future in any way whatsoever. Go ahead, John. They just picked, they just picked up Cam Akers. I don't know if you saw that earlier oh, okay. today. Wow, yeah, great. Uh, former second-round <laughs> pick from FSU with coming off an Achilles tear. Here, those are hard to come back from. Um, I disagree with the Bengals, Josh, just because of the fact that I think their window is the largest out of all of those teams. So even if they have a down year now, Lamar's already been paid. Deshaun's already been paid. Steelers don't have their franchise quarterback, but they're going to be competitive enough that they don't end up in one that they can stay in the top or the conversation of that division for uh, the foreseeable future as long as they have Burrow. Um, for me, it's Chargers. Exactly what John said. They have this window right now to excel. Uh, tough time to have that window because the <laughs> AFC West is so tough. But, but the Chiefs are one and one and and haven't found their footing. Like the Broncos are zero and two. <laughs> the Raiders. You are the can't Raiders. go like exactly. You can't go zero and two right now. You have to win those games. And what they've proven time and time again is they can't win those games. And I think it might be time. As much as we all like Herbert, he might be part of the problem. Like it, he does not have that energy that fire up that like let's go take this by the balls like josh allen does to other teams uh linebackers um he had four opportunities to go win that game four drives to yeah. either finish it off in regulation or get it done in overtime and he was not able to do that against a ryan Tannehill led offense that was absolutely abysmal and that just leads me to the biggest issue which is why the fuck is staley there he was a defensive backs coach for the Rams, like that was their a mini legion of boom that they had that got him that fucking job. And he cannot do anything with that secondary as talented as it is. Yeah, they're they're in a tough situation. I still struggle to like place the blame on Justin Herbert, who's been fucking awesome. But I will say I got a nice little chuckle and I sent you guys the that tweet. It was like Justin Herbert in hypothetical situations, and it's like a gif of Tom Brady like pumping his fist because <laughs> Anytime you see Justin Herbert slander on the timeline, some Chargers fan jumps in and is like, yeah, well, if he had Tyreek Hill and Mike McDaniel, then, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, because, because Josh, Josh Allen and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler are just so, they're so shabby. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the team that I didn't touch on, the Denver Broncos, the reason I'm not putting them in that is because I think they're happy. They're just as happy to move on from Russ as to keep going with Russ based on how the season goes. Yeah, that is probably fair. Um, I imagine that they will be um, one with the quarterback class looking as deep as it is. I'd imagine at some point they will be taking one of those guys, whether that's in the first round wherever they end up finishing second round, whatever. I, I agree with you. They might just rip that Russ bandaid and move on. Um, I do want to like call back real quick because I just saw uh, a stat about franchise quarterback Jordan Love, and I say that with <laughs> the biggest quotation marks you could possibly. With all the respect that is due, all <laughs> yeah, due respect. <laughs> um, adjusted completion percentage on throws ten plus yards down the field. Thirty second. La last in the league, Joe Burrow, thirty one point eight. Second to last, well, I guess tied for last, Bryce Young, thirty one point eight. Jordan Love, third to last, 38.9. So um, you've forced this guy to do anything that isn't sit in a, a clean pocket and throw to wide open people uh, within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And it's probably not 
It's without Christian out. Watson, though. Oh my God! You mean the guy who's basically Randy Moss? I think I thought I thought he was. Sorry, I I thought them going him being out for two games was pre- basically what tanked their season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, um, I, for anyone not familiar, uh, th- there sarcasm. was a, let's say a little <laughs> healthy back and forth between uh, Bears and Packers fans on the internet uh, leading up to Week One, and one of the. Uh, bullets in the Packers fans chamber was that Christian Watson through his first year and the however many games he played is basically as good as Randy Moss was so um and you may even say that he Wait, is didn't more Randy talented. Moss have like career numbers was, his rookie year it was based on like yards per route run stuff like that and then the guy followed it up by saying that he thinks Christian Watson is more talented than Randy Moss was so mm, anyway okay. that's well, I'm just saying, you know, that's a that's another uh, thing in favor of Jordan Love is that he's missing Randy Moss 2.0. And, you know, he is still uh, throwing to guys within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage and with great success. So good for him. Well, speaking of back and forth between fans, um, we should touch on the fact that the fans need to knock the fuck off. A Dolphins fan killed a Patriots fan in the stadium this yeah. weekend and what the fucking fuck so that's it that's all condolences uh, it sounds like you know it wasn't like this guy was completely faultless in the situation that led to his death but still like let's go so to football games have a, a good game? fucking time yeah. and then yeah yeah and we have zero outcome on the game so anyone that was like oh if i cheer any harder or talk more shit to fans at stadiums like that will give our team the 12th man edge that we need it doesn't fucking matter. NFL yeah. players don't give a fuck about fans other than the fact that as long as fans are in the seats, their checks are getting cashed. That's the only relationship that players have with fans. And they get way if more you, deals anyway, so it doesn't right. even matter about butts in the seats. Yeah. Right. If you feel the need to harm another person in defense of this entity that doesn't give a single fuck about you... I don't even give a fuck about their players. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Go, go get help. Like, don't buy tickets to games anymore. Spend your money on a therapist because, I mean, good Lord, dude. I, I, I think the three of us, like, we love the fucking NFL. We love football. I have almost zero desire to go to an NFL game because of the environment that is there. And, like, the Patriots-Dolphin story is just, like, another piece there. Um all right, uh, let's transition, though, to week three and our picks and preview. So starting off uh, with Thursday night, the 49ers, the uh, aforementioned 2-0 49ers, are 10-point favorites at home against the New York Giants. J-Rob, who do you think? Who are you taking in this one? At 10 points is, I think, our first double-digit spread of primetime game. It is. This season? It is. I could be wrong. Okay. As much as it's admirable that the Giants came back against a surprisingly decent Cardinals team, they got dismantled by one of the best defenses in the league in week one, and I think it's going to be more of the same. I think the Niners are just an absolute juggernaut, and the Giants have not shown enough for me to have any faith in them keeping this game close. And so I think it's, I don't want to say easy pickings, but I feel pretty good going Niners minus 10 at home on a short week taking on the Giants. 
I will agree with you. Um, 10 points is a lot, <laughs> but <laughs> the Giants have just shown nothing that, like, to this point, like, do I think the the Giants are, like, 10 points worse than the 49ers, you know, when the season's over? Like, probably not, but at this point in the schedule so far, based on what we've seen, I'm not really convinced that the comeback against the Cardinals is anything to write home about, so I'm also on Niners, minus 10. Toaster sounds like you are, too. I mean, the Giants have been down by 10 points for a majority of their season. So it's tough to give them 10 points against what's probably one of the best teams in the NFC, or definitely one of the best teams in the NFC, arguably the, the best team. Um, as much as I hate the uh, Thursday night consensus parlay curse, it's <laughs> these Giants just don't instill enough will in me to go against that. And um, I think Saquon's going to be out on top of that, which is the bread and butter of anything going in their offense. Yeah, um, I think even with Saquon, I'm probably leaning uh, Niners minus 10, but without him, for sure, I feel good about it. Um, all right. Well, uh, to anyone betting with us, uh, congratulations on losing the first game <laughs> of the week. Uh, <laughs> moving to Sunday night. The Raiders are two and a half point favorites at home against the Stillers, who uh, got a big win Monday night against the Browns this week. I am rolling with the Steelers here. Um, I don't think they're like, and Kenny Pickett has been pretty damn bad, but how the Raiders are two and a half point favorites here uh, is a little surprising to me. Like, I, I know they played well in week one. Um, you know, they ran into the fucking juggernaut in week two, like got his balls over all over their face. Um, sorry, uh, Josh Allen there. Um, but <laughs> I, I just don't see how like the, the Mike Tomlin Steelers at home against Jimmy G and Josh McDaniels, and they're not favored. In this game like come on man like it just doesn't make sense to me so i'm taking uh the two and a half points and the team that i think is the better team um got steelers ryan where are you going here um give me give me that shiny new toy jimmy gq um i i don't like the spread either but the steelers offense has been absolutely abysmal um yeah they ha they went up against 49ers the first week but to take down the Cleveland Browns, a chub, a chubless Browns, since we've been talking about balls and faces all day, um, they only they, they relied on two defensive touchdowns to make this happen. One right out of right off the gate. So I just have not seen enough from this Kenny Pickett offense this year. Uh, Najee Harris is you know a cloud of dust and and smoke, and he's still somewhere within that, right? I think the whole point is you're supposed to do that and then be like off in the distance um, while they're looking for you in the, in the dust, but he's he's always there. So I, I'm i going to actually take the Raiders. Wow. I'm surprised by that. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to go Steelers as well. It has everything to do with the defense and nothing to do with their offense. Their defense kept them in that Browns game, and I think TJ Watt is poised to have another great season and it seems like jimmy is kind of one of those guys that if you can pressure him frequently and often he'll tend to make some dumb plays throw the ball up and i think the steelers have enough playmakers that they'll keep this game close the defense will keep this close and so i like the steelers getting plus two and a half 
against the Raiders. Raiders. All right. Uh, we have another Monday night doubleheader this week, which I don't really like, uh, if I'm going to be honest. The fact that the games overlap, I, I think it's just dumb. Um, but Eagles, four and a half point favorites on the road against the Bucks. Obviously, Baker Mayfield has been putting on a show um, against the Toothless Vikings and the Bears, who are maybe literally on fire. Um, Josh, where are you going with this one? Uh, Eagles, again, four and a half point favorites. This one, I was really surprised that it was this close. And so for that reason, I'm taking the Eagles minus four and a half. I think their defense is just so good up front. Jalen Carter has already shown an impact. And I think as much as Baker likes being mobile, any quarterback that's getting pressure through the interior is just going to be tough to deal with. And on the offensive side, I think the Eagles just have enough on the offensive line and on the ground to just wear you down, make a fuck, make, make a few big plays here and there to cover that four and a half spread. So I like the Eagles on the road against the Buccaneers two and O team, surprisingly. Probably the biggest surprise of the season is the Bucks starting 2-0 for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, Toaster? Um, you give me Philly anything less than a touchdown against this overachieving uh, Bucks team against two very, very questionable teams. Uh, I'm taking the Eagles all day. All right. Um, we'll just make it a consensus again. So not not good. If you're in fact, just start fading us. It's probably the route we should be going here. Yeah, I don't see. I mean, I know the Eagles have been underwhelming, but they're still really fucking good. Um, I'm not convinced the Bucks are good. I, I'm sorry, but every you know, the two teams that have gotten to play the Bears so far um, this year, like their offenses look fucking great. I I don't think that that continues for them. We saw it. This week with the Packers uh, playing the Falcons, I, I don't think the Bucks are going to have as much luck against the Eagles, even if they are at home. So I'm with you guys there. Um, all right. The second of the Monday night doubleheader here, the Bengals are two and a half point favorites at home against the Rams. The 0-2 Bengals, uh, two and a half point favorites here. Uh, I'll lead us off. I, I, I got to go Rams. Like the Rams have looked good. Matthew Stafford looks good. Sean McVay, again, like, should never doubt that guy. He's a really fucking good football coach, and I can't name a single person on their defense other than Aaron Donald. And if it wasn't for fantasy football, there's zero chance I could tell you who plays for their offense right now until Cooper Cup gets back. So the no fact Puka that, Nakua? <laughs> well, I mean, I'd love me some Puka Nakua because uh, I unfortunately watched a lot of uh, BYU film on Zach Wilson uh, a couple years ago, but uh, I just <laughs> wait. I also need to say, RG three just quick side. RG three just says the most out of pocket shit all the time on camera, and in the pre show, uh, for whatever it was this week, um, he he made a comment like Puka Nakua. You know that boy went to BYU because he's on a mission. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck, bro? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just had to call it out because that was that was a good one. RG three. Just anytime he's on a broadcast, just like pay attention because he's got he's good for one of those each time. Um, but yeah, I just think like 
the Bengals are definitely two and a half points better than the Rams. Like when you look, compare rosters, but right now I, I don't think they are. And especially if Joe Burrow misses time with the aggravated calf injury. So uh, I like the Rams on this one, like honestly pretty easily um, as two and a half point. I'm going Rams too. Um, I just, there's a fight in the Rams right now that I don't see in the Bengals. And I think those Rams players feel like they've, they've been, you know, put on the back burner and got something to prove. Um, they literally don't have a running back. I mean, Kieran Williams is taken over right now, but he's what 14 for 52 yards on one game and 15 for 52 yards in the other game. It's not, uh, he's the backbone of my fantasy team. So let's like, <laughs> well, yeah, but that's be because of his later. six receptions for 87 yards that he had last game. So this is Matt Stafford's offense. And I think that they can get this, get this offense going against the Cincinnati Bengals defense in the meantime. All right, Jared. Oh, man. This feels like a week where the picks just seem too easy that this is all going to go to shit by, like, the second game of the slate. But First game. I mean, I I don't want to get over cocky, but I think there's – we've got to <laughs> get through Thursday. <laughs> if, the, if the Giants keep that one close, I will be shocked. And I was about to say, like, get a tattoo of something stupid, but I don't need a stupid tattoo. Anyways, back <laughs> on the Rams bar uh, – Rams-Bengals. Similar to what you guys are saying, it's kind of where they are right now, not where we think they'll be in the future. And I think the Rams just look a lot more polished and a lot more put together than the Bengals, who are 0-2, and can't seem to get the offense going outside of some plays at the end of last week's game that I think the Rams are going to keep it close, plus 2.5. I like the Rams here. They had a backdoor cover of the century against the Niners kicking a field goal with like two seconds left when they could have easily just kneeled it that I think they're paying attention to just fucking some people over. And I think them covering is a great way to uh, fuck some people over. So I like the Rams plus two and a half on the Bengals. All right. right. Going to be tough got- for me to catch up in the uh, win columns here. <laughs> yeah. So just playing the long yeah. game, you know? Yeah, uh, exactly. That's three consensus games of the four. Um, all right. Let's roll to our rapid fire picks of the rest of the games. Um, I, question for you guys. Do you want to go off of the previous week's performance or the overall performance to determine the our order of our snake draft here? Every I think week? previous week makes the most sense. All right. Yeah. Well, then that means J-Rob leads us off. I have the middle pick and Toaster is at the bottom. Did not get shut out. Thank you. Vegas for not putting a plus or minus half point on uh, the uh, push that we had on Monday Night Football. Gotta love a good push. For All me. right. J-Rob, which number one pick? Where are you going here? So this might be a little bit of an emotional hedge, but it's also just the fact that the Denver Broncos cannot Do stop it, anyone on defense. So I'm taking the Miami Dolphins minus six and a half. They're at home. They are showing that they can move the ball damn near at will and if the broncos can't stop the raiders nor the commanders why the fuck would they be able to stop the dolphins so i like the dolphins minus six and a half at home against my sorry ass denver ponies that's a fun one that's a fun one all right um i think the chargers get off the schneid this week um i think that they're one point favorites on the road against the Vikings. I think the Vikings um, 
regression to the mean in one score games will continue and they will be 0-3 to start the year after going 11-0 last regular season. So I like the Chargers minus one on the road in Minnesota. Vikings just aren't doing it for me yet. So I uh, think Justin Herbert comes back, shows shows all of you guys what he can do. Thank you for picking that one because that's how I think that game should go. And if I pick it, obviously that doesn't happen. So yeah, let's get the Chargers sure. back back on track. Um, I'm going Bills minus six and a half at the Commanders. I think there's a little bit of an overreaction uh, to what the Commanders were able to do against the Broncos. And I just don't see a comeback like that happening once again uh, for that team. Um, next one on the turn, I'm going to take the Saints plus two at the Packers. I'm not a Jordan Love fan. Um, I think that the Saints are not ro- rolling on all cylinders right now, but Derek Carr is getting it done enough. So give me, give me I, I like both of those picks for sure. I think um, for this one, I'm going to stick with the hometown team, and I'm going to take the Seahawks minus six against the Panthers. Um, I think the Panthers are looking really bad and um with Bryce Young now hurt potentially missing time I don't know where we're at with that but it just it really feels like the wheels are going to fall off there sooner rather than later and I like the Seahawks to just like keep building their momentum I know they lost week one uh they had a good bounce back win this week and I, I do think they are in you know not that elite tier of teams in the NFC, but they're in that tier below and they will show it at home. So I got Seahawks minus six and Jera back to back picks. I think for my back to back, I'm just going to double dip on the 12 and a half spreads with the chiefs <laughs> and against the bears and the Cowboys at the Cardinals. I think both those NFC teams are starting to look at that number one pick and looking at Caleb Williams out there being like, Hey, Caleb, how you doing? And so I think the Chiefs and the Cowboys will pull through with their games. Uh, they're both looking, it's rather, both teams are looking okay. The Dallas is looking good. The Chiefs are looking good enough. And I think the Bears and the Cardinals are just looking like they are looking forward to the future and not the present. So I like both of them at 12 and a half. 12 and a half is a scary I, number, but oh, trust I'm not me, I'm setting myself teams. Up. I am setting yeah. myself up for one to get backdoor covered, but. I'll take my chances this week with how they're I also working. just want to call out of you have two 12 and a half favorites and you were also on the Niners as a 10 point favorite. So <laughs> go big or go home, baby. That's right. We're, we're rooting it. for offense it. this week. All right. Um, I'm going to take the Patriots minus two and a half at the Jets. Thank you for I doing just, everything I want to happen. This is great. This yeah, is I'm in agreement welcome. with you and we're not jinxing it. So this is, this is fantastic. I'm here for you, really, is, is what we're doing here. I mean, I just think, like, the Jets' defense, as good as they are, Zach Wilson, his record against Bill Belichick, uh, his performances, are more importantly, against Bill Belichick, I think will continue to be bad. Um, I think the Patriots will do just enough, and they will have an offensive game plan that will allow them to not let the Jets' defense overwhelm them. And I see a defensive touchdown uh, in their future. So uh, potentially a special teams touchdown as well, uh, since that seems to be a theme when these uh, two teams get together. So Patriots minus two and a half. And then uh, back to you, Toaster. All righty, then. Um, David Montgomery's out. 
it's Jameer Gibbs time to show what he can do. Give me the Lions minus three and a half against the Falcons. You got Bijan versus Jameer. I think Bijan obviously outplays Jameer, but overall the Lions have enough talent to get this job to get this game taken care of. Um, and with Anthony Richardson likely out with a concussion, I'm taking the Colts plus seven and a half against the Ravens. Gardner Minshew proven that he belongs in this league and can keep the keep the game close. Ooh, that one scares me a little bit. Like the Ravens look like they're starting to uh, cook a little bit. And Richardson has been, you know, maybe as advertised is fair uh, to say. And I, I like their chances a little bit better with him in the game. But uh, that one's interesting one. All right. Cut the two games that nobody fucking wants. Um, be interested to see which one you were hoping to have, J-Rob. But I think I'm going to go with the Texans plus nine and a half. I I know they haven't been good, but I think they're like at their core, like a good team, like the f- foundation culturally is there. And the Jags just really aren't there yet. Um, not from a culture perspective, but they're not who I think they will be this season. So um, I'll take the Texans to cover nine and a half for sure. They still might lose by a touchdown, but um, that's a lot of points for a team that hasn't really looked like they should be a near 10 point favorite this year in the Jags and divisional game and divisional game. So I was glad you took that one because in in Vrabel, we trust no Nick Chubb. Sean Watson is mentally still going through it. And I don't think we're ever going to see the Houston version of him. And I don't know, give me a, give me a field goal, field goal plus cover for Vrabel and I'll take it every time. So I like Tennessee Titans plus three and a half against a beat up Browns team and a mentally fragile Deshaun Watson. Love it. Uh, I will just note too. I, just before we started here, finished uh, updating the cube score. And Deshaun Watson is comfortably in last uh, once again. So, I mean, Kenny Pickett's given him, what'd you say? We're okay with that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I don't don't hate that at all. Um, All right. That is our week three preview. Any last points before we get out of here? Uh. Does Kirk Cousins get traded before the end of the year? That's going to be the one to watch for sure, right? Like the Vikings, you know, right now they're 0-2, right? Like they – I don't have a lot of faith in them necessarily. I I wasn't on them as a preseason, like, NFC North favorite. Um, I don't think they are a bottom, you know, let's say a top five pick team but i don't think they're very good either and the sooner that they realize that i think the better for them because there are a few situations out there uh namely the new york jets right where if you bring kirk in you can at least um keep the ship afloat and maybe rely on that defense to actually do something so i i like that uh for sure it's definitely something i'll be watching it the caveat to that one is it has to happen after the loss to new england if they waste any more time you it's too tough of a position to bring somebody in learn entire offense and what you need is him to sit behind sit on the bench and learn the offense against kansas city denver and philadelphia then you have your bye week 
uh week yep. eight you start go, getting down the business when you play the the giants the chargers the, the raiders um and hopefully you can win those but they just have a gauntlet of a schedule i don't know that you waste another first round second round whatever you want to call it trying to bring Kirk cousins in and maybe salvage a playoff position in what is the toughest division and obviously the toughest conference in the nfl yeah i mean the jets are the team that probably like stands to benefit the most from a deal but i do think there's other opportunities around the league that you know could be viable as well does he Um, get more than a third round pick or do the vikings get more than a third round pick for any of those teams though that's the challenge because he's going to be worth the third round compensatory pick if he walks at the end of the season. So unless you're really, unless you're really going for let's have the worst record overall, because I don't even remember who their backup is anymore. Um, There's not a lot of value. He won't, he won't net a comp pick because he's going to get cut, right? No, he's a, I thought he's a free agent. I thought they restructured his deal adding void years. Did they? Ah, fucking void years. Yeah, Nobody they added one year so that they could spread out the cap. So I, I think they have, they'll have to cut him to remove him. And if you get released, you're not part of the comp pick formula. So I, to, but to your point, I still agree. I think that third round like pick is kind of where we're at because he's not cheap, right? So you need to have some salary cap space to make the move. Um, and you need to be in a position where it's worth it ultimately. I don't think any team that is in that position is going to be willing to give up more than that, except for the Jets. And the Jets are already going to send their second round pick to the Packers. So unless the Jets want to send their first round pick, which I don't think they do, uh, you're kind of looking at that third round pick right well, anyway. Fuck void years because now, so if you do trade him, unless you're able to negotiate a restructured contract where he eats that money, which isn't a guarantee, then you're on the books for 28 and a half million in dead money the following year too. Can we yep, just get rid of the void years? Sure. That's, not a, that's not a thing. <laughs> like, no, they didn't think about this. This is a Bill Belichick style loophole. Let's just close it and say, no, you can't have a dude under contract that's not on your roster. I agree. I am with you there. Uh, all right. Well, that will do it for our week two recap and week three preview. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will catch you later.